Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Cole Fotheringham, tight end for the University of Utah, coming up here momentarily. Big game for the Utes. they got to get over the loss to the Beavs pretty quick because uh, UCLA is a team that's better. We don't know if uh, DTR is going to be starting a quarterback or not, but uh, it should be a a challenge for Utah that still has very much to play for. Dorian Thompson-Robinson not throwing yesterday at practice. Yeah, so which is probably a pretty good sign that Saturday he's not going to be 100% at best. Right. So, And he's he's uh, been a key to them being better because he's an upperclassman. I mean, it's uh, you know the, the payoff that Chip Kelly wanted starting him as a true freshman. It, it rough. You remember his debut? He had like four fumbles and his two whole, interceptions. His whole career has been on the rough side because he's been in and out of the lineup. But, I mean, yeah, yeah I do remember that first game. It was like, oh, man. Like, but again, this kid's really green. But that was back, again, when Chip Kelly ran off the whole team and mm-hmm. they had to start from scratch. And you, you feel bad for a guy thrown into that position. But the reason you do is for years like this where you you should have sharp veteran quarterback play in a year where hopefully you've built around it with players that can take advantage of it. And, and UCLA has done that somewhat. But it doesn't work if he's not playing. It's just so hard to have it all come together. You know, that's why in 2019 Utah was so incredibly good. It was because they, they had put so much time into Tyler Huntley and hired so many offensive coordinators to try and make sure it would work. But by the time it came together, you had all these talented seniors, and, and he was so good. All right, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion to do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. He is a tight end at the University of Utah. He's our friend Cole Fotheringham with us here on Jake and Ben. Uh, Cole, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Hey, we're we're doing great. We've got a new time slot. We've got a new co-host. This is Ben, by the way. Cole, he's uh, you know. I've talked to Cole previously before. All but right. I, he talks to a lot of people. He's he got does. he's got a much more valuable and important job than we do. He's very famous. You know. You know. We're just we're riding his coattails. Uh, but Cole, thanks for jumping on with us. Uh, take us through that uh, that game against the Beavers. I know it's it's tough to lose one, and the offense sputtered inside the five, right? But still managed to put up some points. Take us through it. Yeah, um, you know, got to give credit to those guys. They're a really good team, well-coached. Um, they made the plays when they had to, and unfortunately uh, we couldn't get out there with the desired outcome. But um, I thought that there were some good things that the offense did. Um, like you said, we got in there in the red zone, deep in the red zone, inside the five, uh, and twice we couldn't put it in, which was unfortunate. Um, you know, right after the game, I – I questioned, you know, what we were doing, but after watching the film, you know, the plays were there. Um, just, just didn't make them. Like guys were open, we just didn't execute like we were capable of. So, uh, no one to blame but ourselves, and you know, we'll we'll learn from it and move on to the next one. You had positioned yourself and have really positioned yourself so well in the Pac-12 South. Does it make a loss easier to you know to consume, knowing that you're still you know with a really good uh, opportunity this weekend? If you can get a win, you're still in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 South. Does that make it a little bit easier after a loss? Um, yes and no. I mean, I know we would have really liked to come out there with the win. Um, but like I said, Oregon State's a legit team this year, and you know, give them credit. But it, it doesn't make it that much easier. Um, we know we sh- we should have beat them, and I think you know if everything goes goes as planned, um, like you said, we're still we're still in the driver's seat for for the Pac-12 South, so we we control our own destiny if we went out 
uh, we might see those guys again and, and get another crack at them or whoever, whoever may be in that position. I find it kind of interesting how coaches react to losses and wins. Uh, you know, like I, I uh, covered Jerry Sloan for a long time, and after losses, he was very even-keeled and, and really, you know, didn't criticize his guys. And then sometimes after wins, he'd come out mad, which was interesting. But tell us, what uh, what's Coach Witt like after a tough loss? Um, he, after a tough loss, you know, there's definitely a demeanor within the facility and within the the whole, uh, whole program. You know, we, we take it very seriously. We know that, um, you know, this program hasn't been built on, on losing seasons and losing records. So, um, it's something that we hold ourselves accountable to as a team and, um, we want to win every game we can and you know this season there's been a lot of adversity but um, to be in the position that we're still in we're very grateful and we're not taking anything for granted so every time we get a chance to practice or play we have to go out and uh, perform at our best what have you seen on film so far from uh, UCLA as you guys get ready for this weekend um UCLA is another really good opponent um he coach was been telling us that it's, it's basically at this point a three race horse or a three horse race that um, is going on between us, UCLA and ASU. So it's going to be a tough game. Um, it's going to be physical and we're going to have to put up a lot of points on offense again, I think. And, and we're going to have to, you know, execute at a very high level. You know, we're doing uh, sports radio. We're all about takes, Cole, and I'm not trying to get you in trouble or anything, but Chip Kelly has been around for a long time, right, at Oregon and in the NFL. Do you have a Chip Kelly take? Not really, no. <laughs> um, I don't I don't follow it enough to, to know much about who he is or, you know, you hear things, but I don't know him personally, so I don't, I don't have a take on him. Well, what about growing up as a San Clemente kid? I'm sure, and as obviously a football player, you know, the USC versus UCLA and kind of what the reputations were of those two school schools. What was your thought on UCLA growing up? And, and you know, what is it now that you've been in the Pac-12 for a few years? Um, I think that UCLA is, they got a great program with a lot of history. Um, you know, this year in particular, I think that they really stepped it up and, and put things together. Um, in the time that I've been in the Pac-12 release, this is this is definitely the best that they've looked, and we can't overlook them at all. And and we just, you know, as long as we do what we're capable of doing and execute all, all facets of the game, I think that um, we can play with anybody. So um, I'm really excited for the opportunity, and you know, just just give you about getting after them this week. So, Cole, you're, you're from Southern California, but of course you're a Utah now. We, we've talked about that before. Are you to the point now where you've got a team from Los Angeles coming in, you're cheering for bad weather? Are you to the point now where you're hoping it's cold and nasty? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I would say so. I think that that, that puts an uh, advantage Utah. Um, you know, people adapt to their environments, and I think that you know, to some extent, I have, but um, I think that that would play play in our favor if it was cold and nasty, like you said. Does Coach Witt still make you guys go outside and practice in the cold once in a while? And if uh, and when he does, does he still always wear shorts? Uh, I, I don't think he wears shorts anymore, but we definitely do practice outside in, in whatever the conditions are. 
He had grandkids and he started putting on yeah, long pants. Yeah, he used to, a smart that, move. That used to be a thing for him. He'd T-shirt? go out in the in the blizzard the in, just a, in, in shorts, you know? I don't know. Sending a toughness message, I guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to that now. <laughs> was that a was that a big adjustment? I mean, I know we talk about it a lot, and kids come from Texas or Florida, and, and you know these warm weather places like LA where you're coming from. It, was that a you know was that really difficult when you first got to Utah, or once you're on the field, does that go away? Um, I mean, as long as you're running around, it's fine. But um, when you're staying stagnant, yeah, it it's not the best. <laughs> uh, it definitely took a little bit of time to get to get used to. All right, so I've got the weather up right now. It's it's looking like on Saturday, 10% chance of uh, precipitation and 49 degrees as the high. Well, actually, I've got it here 57, so it shouldn't be too bad. It should be partly cloudy. That's not bad at all. No, so that that should be some pretty uh, pretty decent football weather. Uh, how are you holding yeah. up? You know, we're we're a little past the midpoint of the season. Cole, are you do you feeling good? You feeling ready uh, as a team to close things strong? Yeah, um, you know a lot of. Like I said earlier, we've been through some adversity and, um, you know, haven't gotten the desired outcome in a lot of the games. But to be where we're at, um, I think we're very fortunate and we are motivated. So um, I think as a team, you know, we're healthy, we're strong, and and we're just uh, just ready for any opportunity that comes. And we know what's at stake for every single game. So, um, yeah, I think we're all overall in a good state. Uh, you're in a spot now, speaking of some of the adversity that, that your team has faced, it's just an unimaginable level this year, and you're going to be retiring number 22 coming up uh, coming up on Saturday now against UCLA. Uh, how, how does that feel? I, I mean, what does that mean for your, your guys' ability to continue to, to grow and bond together as a team and move forward? I think that, you know, it'll be emotional and it'll give us, you know, something to play for, for, for the guys that, you know, we, we always talk about playing for your why, and that's just another why, you know, for, for those guys that can't do it anymore. So um, it's really an honor to be able to do that and be a part of it. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Is it something that you guys still talk? I'm sure you still think about it all the time. I mean, how couldn't you? But is it still a conversation, or is it something that you're trying to move on? It's just such a unique, difficult thing. I hate to keep asking about it, but how are you guys handling it? Um, it gets brought up, but I think that coaches and players are trying to you know, move on as best as we can. Um, but it's definitely still in the, in the forefront of the mind. still think about it often. And, um, how can you not, you know? So when you get to this point in the season, getting back onto the field a little bit, and you've got UCLA, you've got a couple of road games that are going to be tough against Stanford and Arizona, and then you come back home to play Oregon and Colorado again. You guys have put yourself, you know, you've positioned yourself very well, especially if you can get a win this weekend to be in the driver's seat of that three-horse race that you mentioned. Can you look towards the end of the season? I mean, can you start looking big picture now that you've aligned yourself well, or, or is that a trap? I think we try and take it one one game at a time. Um, if you start to look ahead and overlook opponents, and that's when uh, things can go sideways and, and you get blindsided, especially in games when you shouldn't. But especially in this week, um, we can't we can't take anything for granted. We gotta, you know, put our 100% focus on on the task at hand. Well, Cole, thank you very much for jumping on with us. As always, we appreciate it, and good luck this weekend. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Utah tight end Cole Fotheringham with us, uh, giving a little uh, bit of his perspective. Yeah, I thought one thing he said, Ben, that, that jumped out to me there, he said at, in the moment he felt like the 
the the uh, calls inside the five weren't the right way to go, but said after reviewing it on film, the plays were there to be made. Yeah, you know, Ludwig uh, catches the ball. He's kind of the, what is he, the fullback that, that comes in in, in some of those short yardage yeah. situations. Mm-hmm. You know, he catches the ball. And look, Cam Rising didn't throw a perfect ball. It hit him in the hands and he was kind of falling backwards. But you, you make a better throw there or Ludwig makes the catch and Utah gets a touchdown there. You know, and then you, you lost a one-score game. You lost by eight. So, you know, you're right in it there. Or And, and yeah, you can always second-guess it. But Britton Covey had the ball in his hands on the goal line and what would have been a score. And, and Oregon State's corner made an incredible play. I mean, he came in, closed the gap extremely quickly, and punched the ball out. That was an absolutely terrific play. So there was just a couple of those where you know, you, you made uh, maybe an inch or two off or a half second late on the throw to Britton Covey. Uh, otherwise, you're right there. And then we're not talking about the play calling inside the five. You know, you, you had the plays right there. And in fact, they were open and they were they were in the hands of the receiver who was trying to catch the ball. They, they went the other direction. And, and I understand what Witt said and said, hey, you know, maybe we're doing a little bit too much misdirection or, or not just going downhill when we're inside the five-yard line. And I think that's a, you know, that, that's an understandable take from Kyle Whittingham's perspective. But so often you look back and say, man, I love that they spread the field out and you know at the two yard line and you know went for the uh, went for the pylon instead of trying to go right up the middle because sometimes you know that doesn't always work either. I mean, uh, I said this yesterday, but Andy Ludwig overthought those situations when he was here the first time. Sure. I mean, we shouldn't yeah. be entirely surprised that that's you're getting a reverse or a, a play like you know those where you run it on first, but then you run it or you pass it on second, third, yeah. and fourth down, and it's like, wait, what? Right. Uh, but that's. Not necessarily out of character for him. I think it's interesting that Coach Witt said, yeah, we're going to do things a little bit differently inside of the five. I thought it was interesting Cold noticed that, although backed off after he saw the film, because I'm sure there was a reason that Andy Ludwig called those plays. But sometimes it's the simplest solution is often the best. Right down to the point where if you are going to pass it, run the play to the goal line. Right. You know, it's sure. like it's like the third down play where they throw a seven yard pass instead of an eight yard pass. Just go the extra line to right. the extra yard of the sticks. Run the route to this. I I don't understand that stuff. But then again, they know more about football than I do. But it seems to me, you got a you got an offensive line that's playing well. You can run the ball, or you at very least have four cracks at the end zone to make it just very few yards. You're a D1 football team who's quite good. That shouldn't be that difficult to do. Hey, they could have kicked a field goal. And on, a, on the first drive inside the red zone, and if you had kicked that field goal instead of not scoring in the uh, in the red zone, when you they may have still had the lead at that point. Regardless, you know you, you would have found yourself in a different situation late in the game as well, where uh, maybe the uh, the play calling would have been a little different. So, you know, easy to look back at those. The nice thing is every team in the country, for the most part, has you know a couple of those red zone red zone decisions that you uh, you look back and haunt you a little bit. But as Cole. Cole Fotheringham said that, you know, the Utes are in the driver's seat. And, you know, you beat Arizona State, so you've got the tiebreaker. You've got UCLA coming in to play at Salt Lake City without their, you know, without their quarterback, right. at least not playing at 100%. Like, this is, Utah's set up to win the Pac-12 South. And you look that, you know, Stanford's going to be tough on the road, but you should beat UCLA here. You should obliterate Arizona the way everyone has obliterated Arizona. And you should obliterate Colorado. And if you beat UCLA and beat those two teams, you're going to win the Pac-12 South. That's that's kind of their advantage. They still have Colorado and Arizona on, on their schedule because those are two automatic wins in a league that doesn't have a lot of automatic wins. I agree with you about UCLA and Stanford and who knows, and Utah's going to go out and have to play their best. But, I mean, would either one of us be surprised if Arizona or Colorado, you know, had a, like, like ran a play the wrong direction or something. Correct. I mean, those teams are, are hilariously so bad, incredibly bad. I, I keep coming back to who was it that Colorado was playing where they had sixty three total yards from scrimmage on offense, and it's like, <laughs> right. wait a minute here. Is it A and M? It might early have been in the A&M. year. It was early yeah. in the and year. A and M. Obviously, they beat right. Alabama. They ended up being pretty good. <laughs> sixty three yards, Ben. 
Yeah. That's tough. You know, football's tough sometimes. But, hey, Washington State going down to Arizona State. We saw how good uh, Wazoo was against BYU, even though I know they've lost their entire coaching staff for the most part. But then Arizona State has to play USC. I'm still not sold to USC season's over. you got to play at Washington, which Washington obviously is not what they have been. No, they stink. But can be uh, can be tough. And then a- a- ASU still has to go and play at Oregon State. So, you know, or- Arizona State's not going to win out. The-, the pressure, there's nobody really truly breathing down Utah's neck to win the South, especially if Utah wins Saturday. Utah should have a little bit of breathing room even against a couple of these right. teams. They could they could suffer another loss or two and still find themselves in a really good spot. By the way, Coach Pete got out of Washington at the right time. Yeah. We were just making fun of Arizona. Yep. Arizona was beating Washington. Washington needed, what, a, a last... Well, they took the lead in the fourth quarter or something like that. I mean, they... They were about to lose to the lowly Wildcats. So, I mean, everybody talks so highly about Jimmy Lake, but it's like, wow, what happened there? UCLA's schedule is not terribly difficult the rest of the way. Uh, they just lost to Oregon, but it was close. That was a good game. They play Utah coming up this weekend, as we mentioned. They're going to kill Colorado at USC, which is always a little bit of a rivalry game, and then they play against Cal. So Utah could do a, themselves an enormous favor by getting a win over uh, UCLA this weekend. This is going to be their toughest game the rest of the way. I might pick USC to lose out. I don't even know huh. who's on their schedule. Should we look it up? No, I don't think I have a computer. I don't think that's a thing. I have a computer too. You think I could do that? Arizona, USC. No, Arizona's going to win. Or <laughs> USC's going to yeah, win that game. Win that. They play Cal still, they're and they play BYU the last game. But their BYU's going to crush them. At the moment, I'd pick the Kooks. Oh, by yeah, yeah, by you know two scores. It's amazing how like bad a team that doesn't try can be. Correct, and how good a team that can try it that, can be. Yeah. Even if you're, you know, and BYU is not in the same class as USC talent wise, and that's not to say BYU doesn't have incredible talent. They have wonderful players all over the field. But USC is a different animal completely. But Kalani Sataki loves his kids and they love playing for him and they play really hard. And as a result, they're a top 25 team. And USC should roll out of bed as a top 15 team every year and it's just been chaos for, you know, basically since Pete Carroll left, it feels like. No, no, basically there. Yeah. They have had zero stability. They've made wrong hire after wrong hire. They let go the guy they should have kept and they kept the guy they should have let go. Yeah. I mean, it's like and they've gone through now two athletic directors, right? Yeah. In the time that Utah's been in the Pac-12, or since Pete Carroll left, they've been through two. They they've been caught up by the FBI in a in a uh, interesting scheme. Uh, but I don't know. I I still think that that uh, Mike Bowen there at USC is going to go with this guy, bring in Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, who's got a proven track record building, and he's comfortable with the athletic director. And here he goes. You don't think Lynn Swan did a good job? <laughs> no. And neither did the dude before him. I mean, why did anyone think Lynn Swan was going to come in and do a great job? I mean, that was a weird hire when they made it. It felt weird when they made it at USC. I understood he had uh, some ties to the school and, you know, no, no, play. No, no. no, all that. See, here's where USC is smart because they hired a president that wasn't from the family and they hired an athletic director that wasn't from the family because that's a university and an athletic program that needed reforming, obviously. So that was the smart, first smart thing they did in decades. The reason that they hired Lynn Swan is because he knows where the bodies are buried and he's just going to continue yeah. the shady activity that has gotten them to where they are today. He wasn't going to rock the boat, so to speak. That's why they hired that guy internally. Lynn Swan had no athletic department experience or credentials whatsoever. What, he played for the Steelers and was on TV? Right. And he could raise money. I'll right. Give him that. He yeah. probably could raise a ton of money. But had, well liked within the USC circles. But no you business know. having that job. Not that job. No business no. making a head football coaching hire, which of course is the most important thing that that athletic director will ever do. Did Utah get into the Pac-12 at the perfect time or at the worst time? 
And here's the thing. You're never going to say no to joining a, a Power 5 conference. I mean, that was incredible. Right. You're making money hand over fist. You, you totally elevated your program, your footprint, everything. You have to take it. It's great that Utah's in the Pac-12. They would never go back and switch it any other way. Ever. But did they get into the best time or the worst time? Because the best time, everyone fell apart. They've got a chance to compete. Best time for Utah, worst time for the league. Okay. Is, yeah, that, too, is that too fair. on the fence? Hey, I'm not sure. I don't blame Utah for, for radically shaking up the power balance in the Pac-12. By getting kids to come and play in Utah, by beating USC, by beating Oregon occasionally when these schools are good. You know, Utah coming in and taking a piece of the pie that was divvied up in a way to make sure that USC was always going to be really good, and Utah just taking a little bit of that, and how quickly that destabilized some of the things in Southern California. I'm not saying Utah's not blameless for for shaking up the Pac-12 the way they did, but that's your job. You're supposed to go in and win and prove that you belong and make everyone else look bad, and Kyle Whittingham and the Utes have done that. You know what's amazing, though, is they haven't done that in basketball. And if you would have gone back to 1995, Jake, and said, hey, Utah's going to get into the Pac-12 in the uh, in 2010 or whatever it is, you know, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? I would say, well, the basketball team's going to go in there yeah. and, and shake it up and, and compete immediately and have some pretty epic battles with Arizona and UCLA, and, you know, the tournament's going to be a blast because, you know, you're going to see these these great teams and all this stuff and it just hasn't happened but with football 1995 me would have probably said oh man they're gonna have to they're gonna have to make up a lot of ground and and listen utah's football program was good in 1995 coming off that freedom bowl i mean but different animal right correct and so it's it had that hasn't been the case i mean utah football has hit the ground running i know the you know, Witt had a couple of seasons in there that weren't terrific, but for the most part, I don't know how you could have expected any better. And I know you fans out there are are thirsting for a Pac-12 championship, yep. but listen, that is really hard to do Correct. to the point that Arizona's never done it. Right. And they've been in the league a lot longer than Utah has. I mean, it's, it's just a really difficult thing to do. But basketball just hasn't... I mean, Pirtle had a couple of years yeah, there, but DeLon, DeLon you know, the Sweet 16 team once, right? But outside of that, it's been a decade, and it's been They've been pretty much a non-factor, which I never would have predicted back when certainly Utah basketball was at its height. Uh, Oregon, well, I think Craig Smith is going to do a good job. By the way, I think I mean, I mean I'm excited. He did to a watch. good job at Utah State. I'm really excited to watch the Utes basketball team this year. I know they don't probably have the horses that they're going to need to be a really good team, uh, but but he did a great job at Utah State. You're right, and had, and has some some recruiting chops. We'll see if he can you know improve that. It's hard to do your first year at Utah. I think to come in and get a bunch of kids, uh, but they've got a big recruiting. Class, uh, group coming in this weekend, so we'll see how that turns out. But looking at at you know the Pac-12 and really maybe what the poison is, I, I blamed Utah a little bit, and I mean that in a good way. I'm not trying to tell Utah fans you made the Pac-12 worse; you made it better, in my opinion. Uh, Oregon and the shakeup they've had with the absurd amount of money, the incredible branding that they've had the best branding in the Pac-12 and maybe in all of college football, and I mean from you know. The cool factor, the locker rooms, the uniforms, etc. That's probably thrown as uh, the Pac-12 into as big a spin as anything, right? Because Phil Knight came in with his blank check and just wanted to win and was willing to put the money out there for them to win. And they've done enough. They've not won the championships, but they've done enough they've to been really good to be really good and pull all the kids they want out of Southern California or out of the state of Utah. But it's not just basketball; they've been the best, or uh, football. They've been the best basketball program in the Pac-12 now for a while. They have. And, you know, that, that Nike money really makes a lot more difference in basketball than it does in football. And it's made a huge difference in football. Yeah. 
But Oregon basketball is cool. That's a cool program. I I like watching them. I think they probably would have won a national championship a few years ago when they had uh, that team that ended up making it to the Final Four but was hurt. You know, they ended up with the, a couple of major injuries. So Oregon really could have had a Pac-12 basketball champion or, or a, a national championship out of the Pac-12 in the last five or six years had it not been for an injury or two. So, And I bet they get one. I bet they get one in the next little bit. Oregon's... Very cool, a very cool basketball program. So I, I would like to see that happen too. Coming up next, top three stories at kslsports.com. It is Jake and Ben here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.